Act One of Brewster's Millions by Winchell Smith and Byron Ongley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Characters Archibald Vanderpool, read by Alan Mapstone. Joseph McLeod, read by Greg Giordano. Frank Bragdon, read by Adrian Stevens. Napper Harrison, read by Andrew Kennedy. Mrs. Dan DeMille, read by Wendy Katzeller. Horace Pettingill, read by David Purdy. Subway Smith, read by Eli Bishop. Rick Cordray, reading Rawls. Barbara Drew, read by Michelle Hanna. Colonel Drew, read by Chad Jackson. Janice Armstrong, read by Lynette Calkins. Margaret Gray, read by Jen Broda. Montgomery Brewster, Monty, read by Matthew Reese. In Act 1, and in Acts 2, 3, and 4, read by Krista Zaleski. Mr. Grant, read by Todd. Trixie Clayton, read by T.J. Burns. First Boy, read by Todd. Second and Third Office Boy, read by Tricia G. Monsieur Bargie, read by Tricia G. Miss Boynton, read by Michelle Eaton. First Officer, read by Todd. Captain Perry, read by Zach Hoyt. Steward, Read by David Purdy. Quartermaster read by Garrett Goodison. Sailor read by Brant Burgess. Bertram read by Step Heather. Stage directions read by T.R. Love. Act 1, Drawing Room in the Brewster Home. Act 2, Monty Brewster's Business Offices in the Manhattan Bank Building. Act 3, on board the auxiliary yacht Flitter in the Mediterranean Sea. Act 4. Monty Brewster's Home, just after the auction sale, September 23, 20 minutes of 12 noon. Brewster's Millions, Act 1. Scene represents drawing room of the house left Montgomery Brewster by his grandfather. Large arch on the left, showing glimpse of hall left and stairway left upstage of arch portieres scene is oblique so as to form a triangle arch entrance right second to library table punch bowl right in arch off right second large hanging lamp center decorations with shields and spears on wall left upstage entrance table up right settee down right center large ottoman center step ladder in front of portieres at arch left second two large chairs side by side below arch left and left center discovered pettingill on ladder arranging portieres harrison below him holding curtain pins thomas footman holding ladder vanderpool sitting left McLeod, in library off right, mixing punch. Bragdon, right center, pulling cork from claret bottle. All in evening dress in this act except Monty. At rise, Vanderpool lazily watching Pettingill. Vanderpool, seated left center. Steady with the ladder, Thomas, or the little sons of the rich will suffer another loss. Mr. Pettingill is a valuable adjunct to the world of art, and it would be disappointing to bear him forth from the field of his labors on a shutter. Mac, turning to Vanderpool, right, mixing punch with coat off. Oh, shut up, Van. You lawyers should save your eloquence for the jury room. Resumes making punch. Nopper, offering curtain pin. Want another? No, thank you. Bragdon, crossing to Mac, with claret bottle open. Don't get the punch too heavy, Mac. 
Oh, I know enough not to make a longshoreman's drink. And remember, sunshine, go light on the rum and strong on the claret. This isn't a stack house warming. We don't want to stagger the ladies. Bragdon, Mac, and Nopper start for him. Gilly turns and slips down a step on ladder. Crash! This stops the others from mobbing Van for his awful pun. Vanderpool turns a little at commotion. Careful, Gilly. I don't want to be a prophet in my own country. Gilly descends ladder. Mac fills a punch glass and starts to Bragdon to taste it left. Bragdon, center, going a few steps toward Van. See here, Mr. Much Talk. Cut out a little of this monologue and do something. Help Mac slice the oranges. Exit Thomas left with ladder. Don't ask him to do anything. Sees Mrs. DeMille, left center. I beg your pardon, Mrs. DeMille. Runs off right second for his coat, setting punch glass back on tray as he passes. Enter Mrs. DeMille from upstairs, going center. Is everything in good shape, Mrs. DeMille? <laughs> yes, indeed. Monty has a beautiful home here. Turns right center. Thanks to the efforts of the little sons of the rich. A little bow from all the boys in acknowledgement. You have done marvels with the house, Mr. Pettengill. Thank you. Chili never had a chance to spread himself before. You see, when Monty was called south, he gave me carte blanche to do as I pleased. Subby starts bad ragtime on piano, off right. And he does not know a thing of what you have done? Mac enters right. Vanderpool takes stage to center. Not a thing, Mrs. Dan. Petty has practically rebuilt the house, Harrison has engaged the servants, and Gardner is waiting at the station, ready to nab Monty and bring him here. Then we will all cheer him and sing Jolly Good Fellow at him. And after that, if he is disappointed, he will never have the nerve to say so. Mrs. DeMille sits right on sofa. He surely won't be disappointed. Music from piano off right, very loud. Vanderpool takes a step up and looks off right. Say, can't somebody wake Subby up? He's having an awful dream in there. I'll wake him up. Exit right. I suppose he picked out the piano and wants to see how much it will stand. Music suddenly stops and there is a crash off right. Mac entering right. He stopped. Goes to Bragdon and Nopper, center. Subway Smith enters right, limping slightly and rubbing his knee. Sunshine, I suppose chucking me on the floor and breaking the piano stool was a tip that you could get along without my ragtime. Goes to Settee and sits beside Mrs. DeMille on her left. Did the tip hurt you? No, I like it. My kneecap is tickled to death. I was doping out the tempo of an opening chorus when Mac rang in the finale. You should save your musical outbursts until your songstress arrives. She's coming, isn't she? Trixie? Oh, she'll be here all right. You can't lose Trixie. Gee, I hope you'll like her, Mrs. Dan. I'm crazy about her voice. All she needs is a chance. Nopper crosses down center. Colonel Drew and his daughter are coming, are they not, Mrs. Dan? I invited them, and Janice Armstrong, too. She is visiting Barbara Drew, you know. Nopper rejoins Mac and Vanderpool. Oh, is Miss Strong Arm coming? You mustn't make fun of Janice. I'm very fond of her. Rises, crosses, right center. Oh, very well. Rises, crosses, up right to right center. Nopper to Mrs. Dan looking at watch. I hope they'll arrive soon. It's nearly time for Monty now. You'll be here promptly at 8.30. Why, Peggy, uh, Miss Gray, isn't here yet, is she? General buzz of conversation. Why, where is Peggy? She should be here now. 
There wouldn't be a housewarming without her. She must be here. I'm going over there and find out what's wrong. How much time have I, Nopper? About twelve minutes. I can make it. Exit left. I can't see why she isn't here. Peggy, of all people. Rawls enters left, announcing. Colonel Drew, Miss Drew, Miss Armstrong. Ah, Barbara. Barbara enters left, nods to Mrs. Dan, crossing to Vanderpool. We are so sorry to be late. Papa was detained at the bank. We simply rushed through dinner. Ah, Colonel. Colonel enters, crosses right. Ah, good evening. Janice enters left, crosses left center, and speaks. Hello, hello, hello. Mrs. Dan crosses down, meets Janice, center. I'm awfully glad you came, Janice. I'm glad to be here, but I don't know the game. Tell a fellow about it. We're giving our young friend Monty Brewster a housewarming and surprise party. Vanderpool quietly indicating Janice by look right. Subby, who is that fellow? Subby turns right. That's old chap Armstrong. She's all right, only she has ideas and tries to be a good fellow, and that handicaps her some. She looks good to me. Crosses upright and to Mrs. Dan at Ottoman. It's all too sweet for words. Why don't you look about you, Janice? Mrs. Dan goes up to Ottoman, sits. Janice, crossing around chairs left, looking the place all over as she goes to down left. I have looked, old girl. Seems all right to me. Not insistently millionaireish, naturally conceived, color scheme quite the thing, and all considered, rings true. How's everything in Boston? Wrong as usual, Subby Smith. I'm from Chicago. All laugh slightly at this. Subby crosses back to Barbara. Why, Archie, you don't mean to say you don't know Miss Armstrong. I know of Miss Armstrong. They come down a step. Miss Armstrong, let me present one of our rising young attorneys, Mr. Archibald Vanderpool. He beams, crosses to her to make the speech of his life. Her hearty grip takes it all out of him. How are you? Delighted to know you, Miss Armstrong. The little sons of the rich are proud and honored to have you participate in our housewarming. Please tell me, like a good fellow, who are the little sons of the rich? We are a band of eight. I'll give attention. We call ourselves the little sons of the rich because although there is a fortune hanging somewhere about each of our family trees, no one of us is worth a dollar. You mean was worth a dollar. Fortune, to the extent of a million dollars, has smiled upon our ringleader, Monty Brewster. Behold us awaiting his return. He pirouettes and crosses up center. Vanderpool continues a disgusted look at Subby. And now the little sons of the rich are congregated for the last time. Mrs. Dan on Ottoman Center. Why for the last time? The spell is broken. After tonight, the little sons of the rich will be but a memory. Well, we won't cry about it. Vanderpool turns to Janice. Colonel crossing down right center to center with Nopper. It's a great pleasure to me to a figure in Montgomery's good fortune. Monty deserves all the luck that comes to him, or ever may come. By the way, where is Miss Peggy? Turns to Barbara. Who is Miss Peggy? Why, Miss Peggy Gray, my dear. Oh, of course. Mr. Brewster used to live in her mother's boarding house, didn't he? Her inflection has just the slightest possible disparaging insinuation. Nopper, quietly but very positively correcting her. Monty shared Mrs. Gray's home from childhood, Miss Drew. He's all that a son could be to her. Is she going to be here to share in his surprise? We believe so. 
Mac enters left, left center. Knopper? Yes? Just a moment, please. Will you excuse me, Colonel? Mac and Knopper exit left. Certainly. To Subby. Smith, I like that young man. Who is he? That, Colonel, is Knopper Harrison, the most gentle, sober-minded, and withal business-like fellow in America. Mont's his weakness. Mrs. Dan rises and starts to cross right. Barbara stops her. Don't you think, Mrs. Dan, it's rather too bad to have a great luxurious home like this go to waste on a bachelor? Mac and Knopper enter left and hear this. As bachelors, Miss Drew, the little sons of the rich resent the word waste. We, we do. do. Extravagant bow, all but Mac. I abjectly beg the poor bachelor's pardon. <laughs> Laughs and curtsies. I think perhaps Monty has hopes, Miss Drew. Sits on chair by Janice. Oh, indeed. Boys, except Vanderpool, gather around Mrs. Dan up left. One of them is telling a story in pantomime. Papa? Yes, my dear. What is it? Barbara crosses to him. Don't forget. What, my dear? Barbara, just enough meaning to have it detected. Ask Mr. Brewster to dinner tomorrow night. Of course, I intend to do that. General laugh from bunch up left. Janice left, seated. I mean temperamental. You are quite temperamental, aren't you? Yes, but not sentimental. I see. Yes, that's the main argument in my new book, The Higher Demonstration of Platonism. What do you demonstrate? Janice, front. I bear the torch of friendship, which lights the way to a thorough understanding between the sexes, good fellowship without ulterior motives, handshakes without a lingering caress, er. Greetings on the eyebrow rather than on the lips? Your understanding is captivating, dear boy. I should say invigorating, according to Platonism. Janice, rising. I stand corrected. We shall be pals. Offers her hand. Vanderpool rises and takes it. Thanks, old chap. Knopper starts down center. Let's get away from the women where we can smoke. Crosses around chair and up left. Vanderpool follows. Knopper starts to cross center. Rawls enters left. Mr. Harrison... Mr. Brewster just telephoned that he will arrive in three minutes. All right, Rawls. Let us know the moment he drives up. Yes, sir. Exit left. General buzz of talk and movement. Mac, right with tray and punch glasses filled. Make room for the punch. General exclamation from all. He crosses left at back and down left. Subby gets his, then Knopper, Vanderpool, Janice, then Mrs. DeMille, Barbara, Colonel, etc., as dialogue continues. Barbara crosses down right center. Oh, I'm so excited! Subby, coming down to her. I don't see why you're excited, Miss Drew. Millionaires are no novelty to you. Mrs. Dan hears as she is crossing left and stops center. A nice boy falling heir to a million is always an excitement to everybody. She meets Mac Center and takes punch. Thank you, Mrs. Dan. We ought to receive him with applause and speeches. Now, in my opera, when the tenor comes in... Oh, Subby, please don't. Mac, crossing right. Oh, cut it out, Sub. I've heard nothing but that opera of yours for two months. Colonel takes punch and crosses to left center to Knopper. Subby, won't you pose us? Subby is just taking punch, replaces it on tray. With pleasure. Crosses center. Mrs. Dan, will you stand by the staircase, please? She takes her place up left. And Mac? Mac, replacing tray on table right. Yes? 
You do the adoring at her feet. What? Then I'll do it myself. Goes to Mrs. Dan, kneels at her feet, punch glass, etc. All right. Stay there and keep quiet. Now, Colonel Drew, right over here, please, by the sofa. Seppi goes up right center for Colonel and escorts him to his place. Colonel takes place. That's it. How are you going to pose me? How does this look? Puts his arm on Barbara's shoulder. No, no. This is not a daguerreotype, Colonel. It's 1924. Oh. Subby, turning. Nopper, nopper. Oh, all right. You're all right. Save a place for Peggy Gray. Heavens, we can't do this surprise without her. Bragg will get her here if she's alive. Now, Miss Armstrong, right up here, please. Indicating up center. Miss Armstrong goes up center. And Van, you keep her company. Vanderpool follows. Mac, uh, you and I by the punch. Now, fine. Now, everyone raise their glasses when Monty comes in. Just a moment. I have an idea. Runs down center. Everyone moves and speaks to him. That's oh, oh, Subby. That's that your idea. idea. Oh, Subby. That's oh, your Subby. idea. Really? Etc. Etc. Hold your places. Oh, keep quiet. Pushes Subby back, trying to quiet him. Gives it up and crosses right to Mac and takes punch. Subby takes place center where Mac was. Just a moment, please. Comes back down center. What I wanted to say was, this is in my opera. When the tenor comes in, they all raise their glasses and say, Hail to the king. Now all together, hail to the king. Hail to the king. Hail to the king. Subby goes up center in disgust. Rotten. Why not be natural? Let's just drink to him and say, welcome home. Oh, all right. Just as you say. Now, all together, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Peggy enters left, just in time to get the benefit of this. She makes a curtsy and says, Thank you. Etc. Etc. Mrs. Dan comes to her center. Why, Peggy Gray, where have you been? Peggy turns to her. Am I late? No, but you're only just in time. Enter Bragdon left. Psst. Monty has just driven up to the door. Quick, Miss Gray, over here, and Bragg, down by Miss Drew. Peggy crosses right second. Mac gives her punch. Bragdon crosses right first. Now, quiet, everyone. Out go the lights, and when they go up, we'll all raise our glasses and say, Welcome home! Harrison turns off switch and lights go out. All lights must be cut out simultaneously. Stage, house orchestra, etc., leaving faint moonlight, blue strip on floor, off left window. Quiet pause. Careful, Subby, you'll make me spill my punch. Why, Mr. Vanderpool. (laughs) (laughs) I've forgotten what to say. Welcome home. Welcome home. home. Slam of door outside. Monty, off stage left. Cheerful, ain't it, Rawls? Where are my servants? Can't a millionaire have lights in his own house? Rawls, off left. Go right in that way. I'll attend to the lights. It's easy enough for you to say, go right in that way, Rawls, but you can't see your hand before you. Enters left. It's black as ink around here. I always hate to go into a dark room. It reminds me of that story about the girl in the Turkish bath. Rawls enters left. Shut up, old man. When they turn the lights on. Shut up, I tell you. Monty comes down left, stumbles over Ottoman. Damn! As if afraid of dark. Rawls, where are you? I'm here. Let's get out of this tomb and go home. You are home. I mean Peggy's home. This infernal place gives me the shivers already. 
Lights? Lights full up. Rawls takes Monty's hat and coat and crosses left, all rushing down and forming a half circle about Monty. Welcome home. One moment, please. Here's prosperity, health, and happiness to Montgomery Brewster. Speech, speech, Monty, Monty, speech, Monty, 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 speech, Monty, speech, 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 Monty, speech, speech, give a speech, Monty, speech, Monty, Monty, etc. I do believe in fairies. I do, I do, I do. Peter Pan business. <laughs> if my heart doesn't stop beating, I'll try to tell you how much I appreciate this. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't make a speech. Oh, yes, yes, you, you can. can. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, you can. Try it. Try it. Yes, you can. Come on, Monty. You can do it. Etc. But let me assure you that you will always be as welcome here as you made me feel tonight. Good boy, Monty. Monty shakes hands with all around the circle. First Knopper, Colonel, Mrs. Dan, Subby, Vanderpool, Janice, Bragdon, Mac. Fine. Fine. Great. 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 Wonderful. Fine. Fine. Great. You should see the decorations. Hello, Monty, old boy. Congratulations, Mr. Brewster. How do you do? Sees Peggy as he gets to Barbara and forgets he started to shake Barbara's hand. Crosses at once to Peggy. Peggy, I'm so glad to see you again. It's good to have you home, Monty. Thomas, bright center, is collecting the punch glasses during this as greetings are exchanged. Each turns up and places glass on tray. Rawls, center, has entered left and comes down left of Monty. Uh, beg pardon, sir. Monty sees Rawls for first time. Is that mine, too? He's your butler. Oh. Crosses to him, center. I have a message for you, sir. Would you mind telling me your name? Rawls, sir. Thank you. Isn't this a rather peculiar time for a message, Rawls? Uh, beg pardon, sir. I fear it's very urgent. Oh, very well. Let's have it. Mr. Grant, of Grant and Ripley, has called repeatedly, sir. I informed him that you would arrive this evening. He will return at nine o'clock. He states that his business is of vital importance and will admit of no delay. Who the deuce are Grant and Ripley? Rawls, handing Monty card. His card, sir. Attorneys at law. Well, Rawls, if you don't mind, when Mr. Grant calls, say that I have guests tonight and I am busy. If it is very urgent, I will see him tonight. Yes, sir. Crosses left. Monty, center. And Rawls? Rawls stops and turns left center. Yes, sir. I'm very much obliged to you, I'm sure. Subby comes down center watching this. Rawls exits left. Monty watches him, then turns on Subby's laugh. <laughs> you seem afraid of your butler, Monty. I am, Subby, but I'm trying not to show it. Oh, Monty. Hello. I've invited a singer to do a little warbling for us tonight. One of your hidden geniuses? Fine or super fine? Super. Miss Trixie Clayton. Not the chorus girl. Oh, it's all right. She won't mind. She won't. She's all right. I, I told Mrs. Dan about it, and she said to have her come. All right, Sub. Don't let it worry you. I'm not objecting, you know. I just wanted to tell you, that's all. He goes up center. Monty joins Peggy right. Peggy, tell me. Barbara, going to Monty and taking his arm. Now we are going to show you over the house, Mr. Brewster. Monty, about to refuse in favor of Peggy. Peggy goes up, and Monty, after noticing it... Why, certainly. Subby, Subby, lead the way, will you? All right, this way, everybody. General chatter from all. Exit Omnis right, excepting Peggy. Peggy goes down to chair left, sits. Mrs. Dan is last, is about to exit, sees Peggy, goes back to her. I think I'll stay with you, Peggy, if you don't mind. Of course. Mrs. Dan sits. We've seen the house from top to bottom already. Monty certainly was surprised, wasn't he? Peggy stares straight ahead, lost in thought. 
I hope he will be as pleased with the whole house as he seemed to be with these rooms. Don't you? Peggy recovering herself. Of course. I should be lonesome living in such a big house by myself. I do hope he will be happy here. I hope everything good and beautiful will be Monty's in this new life. Just as it was in the old life. Peggy looking curiously at Mrs. Dan. What do you mean? The good and beautiful influence he has had about him ever since he has lived in your mother's home. Monty doesn't need any influence to keep him straight. Mrs. Dan, getting a little close to Peggy. He needs you and your mother now more than ever. But his circumstances are so different now, with this fortune and a position to keep up. Why, even these two months he has been away, everything seems changed. Of course. And there will be another change soon, Peggy. Soon. Depend on it. Peggy looks at Mrs. Dan questioningly. Mrs. Dan looks archly at Peggy. Oh, I see. You mean he'll marry? Naturally, I hope he'll find a nice girl. So do I. She looks at Peggy. May I ask you a question, Peggy? Why, of course. Why didn't you write to him while he was away? I did. How often? Often enough. He didn't think so. What makes you think he didn't? Mrs. Dan, smiling. You should have seen the letter I had from him. I had to make Dan read the beginning over twice before I could believe it was for me. It was all Peggy, 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 crisscrossed, underscored, and down the sides. Five pages of questions about you, with two references to ourselves. First, how was Mr. Dan? Second, how was... Enter Monty, right, goes to Mrs. Dan. Mrs. Dan, Subby is looking for you. He has his genius in there and doesn't seem to know what to do with her. May I take you to him? Peggy remains seated. Thank you, no. Looking from one to the other. The call of genius is enough for me. I know where to find him. Exits right. Peggy rises when Mrs. Dan indicates she is going to leave them alone. She and Monty exchange looks, and she starts to run across to exit right. As she passes above Monty's center, he catches her. Just a moment, please. I want about five years' conversation with you, miss. Indicates Settee, right. You come here and sit down. You're getting a big girl now. You mustn't run around the house like that. He seats her in right corner of Settee. Five years' conversation with you? Rises immediately. But you must look over the house first. You haven't half seen it, I'm sure. Monty reseats her gently. Oh, the house can wait. Tell me, how's Mother, well? Of course she is. Monty looks Peggy over critically. Gee, you look pretty tonight, Peggy. When do you get the new dress? Peggy, sitting. It isn't new. You've seen it twenty times. I did my best with it, in honor of this momentous occasion. How did you like the welcome we gave the returning prodigal? Monty sits. I felt more like the fatted calf. It was fine of the fellows, though, wasn't it? I've heard a lot of nonsense lately about not needing friends when you have money, but I tell you, when I think of the friendship of Nopper and Bragg and grouchy old Mac, it makes this old million of mine seem mighty small in comparison. I'm glad your money hasn't changed you, Monty. Changed me? Looks at her searchingly a moment. You seem to be the changed one. Peggy looking at him quickly. How absurd! How could your money change me? I don't know. But it mustn't, Peggy. It mustn't. Why, if I thought this blessed million could make a difference, come between us, I mean, I'd give it away so quick it would make your head swim. Peggy, very sincerely and simply, just touch his hand. It won't make any difference with me, Monty. Ever. Think of the splendid opportunity this fortune gives you to prove what a man you are. Your grandfather's memory should always mean a great deal to you. Oh, I'm not so very grateful. 
He couldn't take his money with him. Oh, I appreciate it all, but I happen to remember that my mother didn't have a very easy time of it while she lived. If some of these luxuries could have gone to her, I... Oh, what's the good of talking about it? He sits. Beautiful home, isn't it? Yes, very beautiful. Something wrong with it. What? It isn't home. You know what, Peggy? Our home. Your home and mother's home. Now, I'm going to keep my room in the little house, and every once in a while... Peggy rises suddenly. Monty, you must join your friends. You've been away too long now. They will notice it. Sabby, running to center. Sorry to disturb you, old man, but we are ready for the singing. Enter Rawls, left. Aren't you coming? All right, Subby, go ahead. We'll be there in a moment. All right, but hurry. Exit right. Beg pardon, sir, but Mr. Grant would like to see you for a few moments, if possible. Monty crosses to Rawls. Grant? Who's Grant? Uh, the gentleman that called so often to see you, sir. Oh, that lawyer chap? Yes, sir. Monty, turning to Peggy. Tell him I'm busy. I beg your pardon. Monty turns to Rawls. You told me to say that you would see him if his business could not wait. Did I? Well, I apologize to you, Mr. Rawls, but I've changed my mind. No, Monty. You must see him if you've promised. Show Mr. Grant in, Rawls. Rawls looks at Monty. Yes, miss. Exits left. Peggy, this is ever so much more important. I want to tell you something that means everything in the world to me. Oh, Monty, not now. Why, don't you want to hear it? How can I tell when I don't know what you are going to say? But you do know. You must know. Why, Peggy, every moment since... Peggy crosses right. I'm going to hear the singing. Well, Peggy, I want to see you for a moment. Peggy, at exit right, stops, turns. Oh, Monty, wait. How long? Until he's gone. Laughs and exits quickly. But Peggy... Rawls enters left. Mr. Grant. Exit. Grant entering left, crossing center. Mr. Brewster. Monty advancing, shaking hands. Yes, sir. Won't you sit down? Indicates settee right, then looks off right again. Grant sitting right, and taking from his pocket a number of documents. I am Mr. Grant, of Grant and Ripley, attorneys. I dislike bothering you with business tonight, exceedingly, but it is necessary to put a proposition before you and get your decision out to Montana tomorrow morning. Monty, bringing down chair. Montana? My decision has a long and rapid journey ahead of it. Sits right center. James T. Sedgwick died September 23rd in Butte, Montana. Died in Butte? I should think he would. How does his death concern me? Grant looks at Monty reprovingly. He was your uncle, sir. Your mother's brother. My uncle? Trying to recall him. I think I remember hearing something about an uncle when I was a boy. We have just received a most astonishing communication from the executor of your uncle's will, Mr. Swearingen Jones. Who? Swearingen Jones. What does swear again say? You, Mr. Brewster, are your uncle's sole heir. Monty, looking quickly at Grant. I? You. Much money? Seven millions. Monty sits motionless, grasping the seat of his chair, and stares at Grant. After a pause, he swallows, speaks as if to himself, as if he had not grasped the meaning of the words. Seven millions? Seven mil? Gets up suddenly and goes to Bell. What will you have? Thank you. I don't drink. Will you have a cigar? Coming back with sudden doubt. It was, did you say, s s seven millions? 
It is nearly that amount, yes. It's my mistake, my mistake. I just thought perhaps I might have misunderstood you. My relatives seem to be dying just to make me money mad. It may be like that. Monty, looking quickly at him. What? There is a proviso. A proviso? Sighs. Now I'm going to wake up. Before you can get this money, you must spend every dollar of the fortune you now possess. That's easy. I am not so certain. Why? Grant, holding up copy of will. There are restrictions embraced herein. Oh. Sits watching Grant intently, not in an easy attitude, but erect and alert. Grant, opening will and looking through it during speech. I will give you a brief outline of the will, and if you decide to accept the conditions, we can go over it fully tomorrow in my office. Puts on glasses. <coughs> Your uncle bequeaths and devises all his property, real and personal, to you. Pause and looks at Monty and continues. On September 23rd next, which is the 26th anniversary of your birthday, you are to meet Swearingen Jones at any place you may name in the city of New York at 12 o'clock noon. Said Jones will then turn over to you all interests mentioned in the inventory which accompanies this will. If, to his full satisfaction, you have faithfully complied with the following supreme conditions. That you come into your twenty-sixth birthday with a fair name and your habits temperate. That you have proved to the executor your ability to manage your affairs shrewdly and wisely. That you take no person or persons into your confidence regarding this will or its conditions. And that upon the date named you have completely and entirely dissipated your fortune and have kept an accurate and correct account of all your expenditures, and meet the executor absolutely penniless, with no worldly possessions other than the clothes which cover you, with no article of jewelry, furniture, or finance which you may call your own, or thereafter reclaim. In a word, with no visible or invisible asset. Arranges paper. Well, what do you think of it? Monty replaces chair upright. I think it's a joke. Who wrote it? Grant rises. You will find it is no joke. Handing Monty a document. That statement enumerates your uncle's holdings and their value. You will find there's not a bad penny in all those millions. Monty crosses to center. Monty looking over list. Has the will been probated? No. Why not? Your uncle requested that the will should not be probated or made public for one year. Oh. Sits. Busy with papers. Here is a telegram from Jones with positive restrictions noted. Hands Monty telegram. Monty reading. Heir must under no circumstances take anyone into his confidence. Here are the rules I want him to work by. No indiscriminate giving away of funds. Don't be stingy, though. I hate a stingy man. No more than ordinary dissipations, but I hate a saint. No excessive donations to charity. Let him spend his money freely, but get his money's worth. Above everything else, no matrimonial entanglements. Damn sure this would disturb confidence and wife might prove invisible asset. Um. Thinks a moment, puts his hands in his pockets, Walks slowly from table in thought, then comes back quickly, faces Grant. If I accept, I must carry out these ridiculous conditions to the full satisfaction of Jones? Yes. And if, by September 23rd next, I've spent all this money and Jones doesn't happen to be full of satisfaction? Looks at Grant, puts telegram in pocket. Just where would I get off? Get off? Yes. Alight. Arrive. Be. Come in. 
no article of jewelry, furniture, or finance, visible or invisible wife, or asset. I'd be in a cute little position now, wouldn't I? Crosses Center. Grant rises. You must be the judge of whether you wish to try for this money or not. I'm glad to hear that. Swearington Jones is himself a very rich man, and we know him to be fair and honorable. He was your uncle's closest friend, and his desire is to carry out his wishes to the letter. Monty turns. Why all this secrecy? Probably because your uncle did not want your friends to either help or hinder you. Monty, crossing to him, giving paper back. Well, please tell Swearingen Jones that I'll hold on to what I have. Crosses left, stops left center, turns. Was Uncle James always crazy, or did it come on him late in life? There is no doubt, I think, as to your uncle's sanity. Then why was he so keen on having me spend all my grandfather's money? Because he hated your grandfather above everything in life. Monty looking squarely and keenly at Grant. Why? Your father married against the wishes of his parents, and for that reason your grandfather disinherited him and turned him into the streets. Your grandfather blamed your mother, and even after the death of your father, allowed you and your mother to want for the necessities of life. And you, young as you were, may not remember that he practically allowed your mother to die of starvation. Monty stares straight in front of him, then looks at Grant again. Do you know this to be true? I do. I also know that shortly before her death, your mother induced your uncle, then only a poor young man, to leave the city, fearing he would kill your grandfather if he remained. And before my uncle died, he knew that my grandfather had left me his money? Evidently. And it was his idea that what my mother wasn't fit for isn't fit for me. Exactly. Is it possible to obtain any proof? You are prepared to give me proof that my grand, that this man treated my mother as you say he did? I am prepared to show you positive proof. Monty takes a couple of steps upright, turns, takes Grant's hand. Mr. Grant, I'll take that on contract. Monty takes envelope and pencil from his pocket and figures rapidly during the following. Grant, collecting his papers and rising. Very good. I fear you will find your task somewhat difficult. You will have to spend something like $3,000 a day. Monty, still figuring on an envelope. Yes, but for every 3000 I spend, I get 20000 in return. I will really be making about 17000 Gee, my head is going round already. Good night, Mr. Brewster. Allow me to wish you luck. Thank you. I hope you'll win. Goes up left center. Yes, I'll be going some. At what time will you be at my office tomorrow? Monty turns. 6.30. Grant smiles. I think nine will do. Good night. Exit left. Good night. Oh, Mr. Mr. Runs off, up left, talks off left. When you write to Jones, ask him not to think of any new conditions. I think now it's about time for that drink. Touches bell left. Spend $3,000 a day. Center, figuring again on envelope. No, more than that. Interest coming in all the time. Enter Rawls right. Did you ring, sir? Yes. Bring me $3,000 a day. Give me 5%. Oh, give me a scotch and soda. Figures again rapidly. Yes, sir. Exit right. 5%. 1 million. No, 4. I can't get it down to that. 4%. Still figuring. Peggy, entering right, stands inside the conservatory archway. Has he gone? Monty, looking up preoccupied, goes on to himself, still looking at envelope. How the deuce did he make it 3000 a day? Who? 
I must have a bookkeeper. I can see that now. What? Grant can beat me at figures. Studies envelope closely. What are you talking about, Monty? Monty, suddenly realizing mistake. I wonder if he included Sundays. Am I intruding? Monty, paying attention for the first time. Why, of course. Oh, excuse me. Crosses right. Monty sees her. Oh, I beg your pardon, Peggy. I beg your pardon. I am sorry to interrupt you, Monty, but you asked me to come back. Huh? Asked you? Oh, yes. Turns around, puts pencil and envelope in pocket, crosses to her. Listen, Peggy, I want to tell you something that means everything in the world to me. Ever since I've been away, I've been thinking about this, and tonight. And when I saw you, I made up my mind to ask you. Peggy, dear, I want you to be my... Stops. No matrimonial entanglements. Crosses center. The fact is, Peggy, I'm going into business, and I've got to begin right away. What sort of business? It's a peculiar kind of business. I can't explain it exactly. I don't think anybody ever tried it before. Isn't this all rather sudden? Sudden? It's the suddenest thing you ever heard of. You see, there's a referee and a proviso and an uncle and a Jones and a man named Butte and... Oh, gee, what am I talking about? I don't know what you're talking about, but I wish you luck from the bottom of my heart. Crosses and gives him her hand, Monty taking her hand. Thank you, Peggy. You're a dear. All applaud off stage. Enter Subby Wright with Miss Trixie Clayton, Mac, Bragdon, followed by Mrs. Dan and Nopper. General buzz of conversation. I knew you could do it. Oh, Monty, I want you to know Miss Clayton, and she's going to be a star someday, sure. Monty bows abstractedly. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid that's a long way off, Mr. Brewster. Oh, I hope not. I'm only in the chorus now. Two others. But Mr. Smith is doing all he can to make me a principal. Mac, to Monty. Say, Monty, don't pay any attention to Subby. What's the matter? Why, aren't you on? No. He's trying to get you to star that Miss Clayton in his opera. Now, you know what happened to Tommy Burt when he tried to make a star of that Millie Milton. No. Why, he lost $60,000 before he woke up, and he's paying bills yet. On the level? Crossing to Miss Clayton left. May I see you a moment before you go? I won't detain you a moment. Boys, Napper, Bragg, Mac, come here. I have a great scheme. I'm going into business, and I want you all to come with me. When? What kind of business Where? is it, Monty? When does it happen? Etc. Exit Mrs. Dan and Peggy. Trixie and Subby upstage left to put on wraps. Rawls enters right with drink, stands back of settee. I can't explain it just now, but it will need the services of all you fellows. Now, let me think. Nopper, I want you to be my general superintendent of affairs. Bragg, private secretary. Mac, financial secretary. Takes drink. I need a lawyer. Van, you're the counsel. Isn't this room a little warm? Takes drink from him, returns it to Rawls, who exits right. No, on the level, Van. I'm in earnest. Enter Colonel, Janice, and Barbara right. But Monty, what do you mean? What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Etc. I haven't time to talk about it now. All in favor say aye. The ayes have it. I'll see you at 12 o'clock tomorrow. The boys exit right, talking in pantomime. Colonel Center. Monty, we must say good night. Thank you. I mean, much obliged. Er, that is, must you go? Yes, I must. I have another chapter to finish in my book. Have you written a book? Yes, The Higher Demonstration of Platonism. Really? Your first effort? It isn't an effort. I believe all I write. Ah, but do your readers? I don't know. I haven't a publisher yet, and probably never shall have. 
Platonism is a dead issue with the common herd. I see. Turning to Barbara. She means they won't buy her book. Turning suddenly to Miss Armstrong. I'll publish your book. You, Mr. Brewster. Yes. Will you be good enough to let me see you about it tomorrow? I want to talk to you. Thank you so much. Will you do us the honor to dine with us tomorrow evening? Thank you. Yes, I shall be delighted. Certainly. Oh, no. I forgot. I'm giving a dinner tomorrow. I have to give dinners every night for a year. I mean, I want you and Miss Drew to dine with me, if you will, Colonel. And you too, Miss Armstrong. I'll send my machine for you. But, Monty, I didn't know you had a car. I haven't. I'm going to buy some. Some? Some? Why some? Well, you see, I want to ride every day. Crosses right center. Colonel, Barbara, and Janice cross left. Oh, Colonel, just a moment. Barbara and Janice exit left. Yes? Stops left center. Are there offices vacant in the Manhattan Bank building? I don't know. Why? I want to engage them. I'm going into business and I shall... Seeing Trixie with Subby. Excuse me, please. Miss Clayton, won't you sit down, please? Thank you. Sits on settee right. Run away, Subby. Colonel and Subby exit left. Miss Clayton? Sitting beside her. I'm going to make a star actress out of you. Star? Me. Mac, Nopper, and Van enter right with coats, etc., and stand about right and right center, center. Just a minute, please. I think you have the most wonderful voice I've ever heard. Slight business for Trixie. Monty continues rapidly. Peggy and Mrs. Dan enter left with wraps. Nopper joins Peggy's center. And Subby Smith tells me he has a great comic opera with a wonderful part in it for you. Now all you need is preparation. The first thing for us to do is to engage a bunch of singing teachers, dancing masters, and stage managers. Then I must buy you some gowns and jewels and brooches and pins. You must have lots of carriages and automobiles. Well, my friend Mr. Gardner will act as your manager and arrange a bank account for you. Thank you so much for waiting. I'll tell you all about it tomorrow. Rises, offers hand. Peggy overhears part of this from left center. Trixie, rising, taking both Monty's hands. Mr. Brewster, you've made me the happiest girl in the world. Yes, isn't that nice of me? There is a pause and look between Trixie and Peggy as Trixie crosses up left center. Subby and the colonel enter left and talk to Trixie. Turning to Mrs. Dan. Oh, Mrs. Dan, I'm giving a dinner tomorrow night, and of course I want you and Dan to come. And next week, I'm giving some more dinners and a fancy dress ball. In fact, I'm going to do a lot of things, and I want to consult you. Thank you so much. Turns up center. Oh, Nopper. Sees Peggy, leaves Mrs. Dan. Mrs. Dan goes up left. Seeing Peggy, center, with wraps, stops. Why, Peggy, you're not going. Yes. Good night. Exits left. Monty steps left. Well, mayn't I take you home? Mrs. Dan intervenes. Peggy's going home with me, Monty. Exits left. Well, I know, but... Well, good night, Monty. Good night, Nopper, old man. Looks after Peggy who is going off left with Mrs. Dan. Many happy returns of the day, old chap. Good Good night. night. Good Good night, night, Monty. Monty. Take it easy. Ad lib. The boys all exit left, saying good night and shaking hands with Monty left as they exit. Good night. Good night. Oh, boys. Boys off stage. Yes. What? Etc. Remember, 12 o'clock sharp. All right, we'll be there. Good night. Good night. Etc. Good night. Good night. Goes to chair left, sits. Reading telegram. No indiscriminate giving away of funds. Don't be stingy, though. I hate a stingy man. Enter Rawls. Beg pardon, sir. Is there anything else I can do tonight? No, thank you. Rawls crosses right center. Oh, Rawls. Yes, sir. How long have you been with me? Two days, sir. 
Monty crosses to him. Two days? You've been a very good and faithful servant. I'll double your wages. And Rawls? Yes, sir. Get me a taxi. Are you going out tonight, sir? Monty, seated on Ottoman Center. No, I have an engagement at 9.30 in the morning. Tell the chauffeur to wait. Yes, sir. Exit Rawls right. Curtain. First picture, Monty on Ottoman figuring. Call. Full company. End of Act One